Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. Today, we're going to do an actor spotlight on the career of Daniel Day-Lewis, probably the greatest talent in acting that we've ever had in cinema history. Daniel Day-Lewis is a legend. We are huge fans of his work, obviously. We've talked about, I think, just There Will Be Blood in terms of his films that he's been in. So far, yeah. Um, But he's been in so many great ones, some of the best all time, and we can't wait to get into this. He's my favorite actor, and he's been my favorite actor since I saw There Will Be Blood. I I had never seen a performance that sensational and that that mind-blowing and that revolutionary as a young person. And what that movie had a major impact on my life. And yeah, you went into the <laughs> south. You started an oil rig. Yeah. You built your own derrick. Yeah, but I, I gave it up. Yeah, yeah. it's too hard. <laughs> I, I got out of the corporate life. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't find any oil. <laughs> but um, Daniel Day Lewis, I think, is. Uh, is he's got to be one of the greatest artists that has, has ever lived because uh, great acting is an art form. You know what I mean? It's not. It's like being a great painter or a great singer It's or a great writer. It is the performance itself is art. And if you make that argument, then that means that, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis is without a doubt and will stand as one of the greatest artists who ever lived. Yeah, and just the talent that he has probably puts him, like, I think he's number one when it comes to just raw talent of acting. Not saying that he's, like, the number one actor of all time, because I think, like, Jack Nicholson, Denzel, Meryl, Meryl Streep, there are so many people, like... Marlon I mean, Brando. Marlon Brando, yeah. I mean, there, uh, Lawrence Olivier, there's so many people you can put in the list. But, like, I think in terms of just raw talent, I think he's number one. And also, I just think the, the fact that, because he has such a small filmography, he's, he's a very unprolific uh, actor. He's only got 31 credits, which is really crazy. And I think 10 or more are TV. Yeah. And so he's only made a handful of films. Well, um, a couple handfuls. Yeah, a couple handfuls. Of, <laughs> big handful. Like, like, a, like an armful. An armful. Like if you hold like a bunch of b- balls, like yeah. he's got like a bunch of <laughs> like baseballs. <laughs> he's got like an armful of baseballs. Nice. Thank you for the metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was very creative. Well, I, had a, I had to fix your handful. I just want people to be able to picture in their head how many movies he's been in. <laughs> very few. Very few. And there's even he's, he takes breaks. It'll take like five years in between a movie, three years in between a movie. Obviously, what we'll get into is how he prepares. But I think the fact that because he's, he makes so few films and they're all such a high quality and such a high caliber of the performance, like he hits a grand slam every time in baseball terms. Well, every acting time he wise, gets up to bat. he has some yeah. forgettable movies. Like yeah. We, we, yeah, yeah. Not every one of his movies is knocked out of the park. Some of them I, I haven't seen. Some of them I would, probably would never see. You know, I think the only thing that would lure somebody to see some of the movies, I think, like Stars and in, in Bars, Stars and Bars. But stars. also, you gotta say, you gotta look that he's been in eight movies that have been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. And he's made so few movies. Yes, but I'm just saying he, crazy. he does have some forgettable ones. But before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. You'll get awesome perks like our podcast schedule for upcoming episodes, personalized videos, Patreon shoutouts on the podcast, which we're going to have to do pretty soon because it's now December. So we'll immortalize all top tier patrons on the show forever. And you also have access to our weekly bonus episodes, which post every single Wednesday of every week. We also launched our podcast masterclass class online course so for anyone who wants to start a podcast or wants to improve their current podcast podcast our current 
22 chapter 46 video course will give you all of our secrets behind the scenes what we do on a daily basis to achieve the viewership that we have today the link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or just go on our website raidersofthelostpodcast.com you can find the link there as well as all of our other content and merch our movie posters use podcast 10 to get 10% off that class today follow subscribe wherever you're listening around the world thanks so much for watching and tuning in everywhere and something that really sets Daniel Day-Lewis apart from other actors not talking about how he acts but his his decision making and why he makes so few films uh, the thing with Daniel Day, he's not driven by money. You know, he doesn't make movies to make money. You know what I mean? That's why he's in so few films. Otherwise, he's he's one of the greatest actors ever. He could have been in any and as many movies as he wanted to be in. You know what I mean? He could have been making three a year if he wanted, four a year, maybe five a year. Yeah, making maybe boatlo- six, maybe a handful a year. <laughs> he could have made boatloads of money. Is where I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, he did demand a certain amount of contract of, of a fee, but like he, his his quote was never very high. It was only a, a few million in his later active acts of his career of you know getting a big paycheck i think that with daniel day lewis he's just much more interested in the craft than earning a living with it i think that he's in a crafts in general because he's developed so many crafts outside of acting on his own as well so i think that he only he only chose projects and we should probably speak in the past tense because he's retired now he only chose projects that really interest him after he reached a certain point in his career, obviously he's, he, when he was young, you have to take whatever role you can get to get um, a resume going and a portfolio of work. But then when the world saw his talents, he was able to basically do whatever he wanted. And the way he cho- he chose his roles, I think, was just based upon: is this what I want to commit like a year of my life to? Is this do I really feel so passionate about this role and this part that I really want to commit to it? And he's fallen out of the love of acting multiple times. You know, he 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 retired from acting twice. Um, most recently, he retired after Phantom Thread. I think he might be done for good. It seems like it. That, but he also retired after The Boxer, the boxing film he made. And he retired for five years, and he became a cobbler. And he trained as a cobbler in Italy uh, with uh, a renowned cobbler. Um, I think it is like a, uh, an elder man who was just like one of the most respected cobblers in Italy. And he had his own business, and he was just making shoes for five years, living in Florence. He didn't want to act anymore. And it took Martin Scorsese to kind of coyly bring him out of retirement to play Bill the Butcher in Gangs of New York because that part was probably so alluring he couldn't say no to it. For sure. So I think that Daniel Day-Lewis is driven by his ability to – how interested he is in whatever craft he's doing. So let's do a little bio on the great Daniel Day-Lewis. How does that sound? I I love bios. Sir Daniel Michael Blake Day-Lewis. He's a knight. He's a knight. Was born on the 29th of April, 1957, in London, England. He's an English actor with dual British and Irish citizenship. In June 2014, Daniel Day-Lewis received his knighthood for services to drama. Born and raised in London, Day-Lewis excelled on stage at the National Youth Theatre before being accepted at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. And then he shifted between theater and film for most of the early 80s, joining the Royal Shakespeare Company and playing Romeo Montage and Romeo and Juliet. Uh, he played flute at, fl- uh, He played flute in A Midsummer's Dream and then the title role of Hamlet in the National Theater in London in 1989. I think that's the production where he actually um, broke down crying when he was playing Hamlet during one of the plays because he actually saw his father as a ghost-like figure in his mind. Um then he made his first film appearance in 1984 in The Bounty, but he also has, I think his first film appearance is uncredited in, what's it called? He was a kid. 
Sunday, Bloody Sunday, yeah, 1971. Yeah, he has an uncredited role. And then let's see what happens after that. He then obviously got a ton of critical acclaim. He was in My Beautiful Laundrette in 1985, then A Room with a View in 1986. From there on, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. And we'll go through the rest of his filmography and career because it's just been legendary ever since. He's the only actor to have won three Academy Awards for Best Actor in a Leading Role. So Jack Nicholson also has three Oscars, but two of them, I believe, are for supporting roles. And then he also has four BAFTAs. He's got a couple Golden Globes, but who cares about Golden Globes? <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis has just... He only has a couple? He's got two, <laughs> which is crazy. That shows you how much... How, much stock we should put in the Golden Globes and wins and nominations. But Daniel Delos has built this crazy reputation on being extremely talented, a method actor, obviously, but capable of anything. And I, I would just love to talk about method acting in general. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like when you talk about Daniel Delos, it's impossible not to talk about method acting. And I think a lot of people think it's a gimmick in a lot of ways. And I think some other actors try to use method acting to their disposal as well, like Daniel Day. But I think for him, it's not about like, oh, I'm a method actor. I can't wait to tell people about it. I can't wait to do interviews. But I think it's just a tool that he uses to become the characters that he creates. It's just something in his arsenal that's effective and helpful for him. And I don't think anyone really takes it as seriously as him. You could say that like... Heath Ledger was pretty close, probably. Joaquin kind of on on well, set. Heath wasn't wasn't in character when he wasn't making the movie. True, I know, yeah. but still like De Niro. But De Niro was close yeah. like that too. But Heath Ledger, in terms of like living as the Joker for like a month to get into character, I would say that's method acting for sure. But not as extreme as Daniel Day, who's staying method his entire life for the entire production. Then Christian Bale is another example of method acting too. I mean, even uh, Forrest Whitaker and Natalie Portman. A lot of actors have practiced method acting, but I don't think anyone's done it ex- extremely as Daniel Day. And yeah, and the thing about method acting, and like you said it perfectly, where he doesn't like want to showboat about it, he never really wants to bring it up. It's people who people bring it up to him, you know. Yeah, people are talking about it. He never wants to talk about it. He's actually a very private person. He has a flip phone. You know, he, he doesn't care about the press. Is that why you had your flip phone? Because No, you... I got it, and then I saw that he had one, and I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Can't wait to maybe meet him one day. We'll bump into each maybe other. Maybe we're like kindred spirits. Hey, man, you got a flip phone too? <laughs> nice, dude. You got some forearm tattoos? Sweet, dude. Let's T9 each other. <laughs> but um, in terms of method acting, De Niro is someone who I think is the closest to method acting that um, Daniel Day was. Actors like um, Meryl Streep, Christian Bale, and... Heath Ledger, they're method actors, but when they're not on set, they're not in character. Mm-hmm. Like, and Heath, he didn't live as a Joker. He just lived in a hotel room and, you know, got con- tons of ideas and Becoming, created, like, create, he created, created the character. character for a moment. He wasn't, okay, yeah. he wasn't okay, the yeah. Joker. All right, yeah. So, but Daniel Day, De Niro did it as well where you live as the character, but De Niro didn't, wouldn't do it as long as him. Daniel or Day, for every role, I yeah, don't think. Exactly. Like, he's not doing it for me, the parents. <laughs> but Daniel Day Lewis. He literally, he inhabits the role and he lives as the character he creates throughout the entire pre-production and post and, and production phase of the film. And sometimes it takes a month to finally get rid of the character. So like for Abraham Lincoln, he moved down to Virginia and he was living as Abraham Lincoln bef- six months before they even started filming. There's a great photo we saw. It was a viral photo of he was just in a coffee shop as Abe Lincoln, like looking out a window, thinking whatever he th- was thinking. And then someone took a photo of him. It looks like Abe Lincoln in a contemporary setting. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I think that what contributes this to him, for him as opposed to any other actor, is you could say that Danny DeLewis probably has the most vivid imagination of any actor who's ever lived. Because it is a world – you're building off of imagination, and you're living in an imaginary world And when you're any kind of level of an actor. And like It's all imaginary. It's all pretend. You know, It's all kid stuff. You know, 
It's like kids pretending to be cops and robbers in their bedrooms or out in the backyard. It's the same thing. You're imagining it all. And so I think this also ties to uh, the stage play, A Hamlet. You said that he broke down. He had, he had a nervous breakdown and collapsed on stage playing Hamlet because in the play, Hamlet sees his father's ghost. And in the moment, Daniel Day-Lewis, his, I think because his, his imagination is so powerful, he saw his literal father as the ghost. And that's what really freaked him out. He actually stopped doing stage plays because I don't think that he feels comfortable that that wouldn't happen again if he was ever on stage again because it's only like it's live. So you can't really say cut and try it again. And so I think that his ability to create such vivid imaginary characters and scenarios and to be able to inhabit the person that he's playing is what really sets him apart in his method acting. And it takes a lot of commitment. Imagine like Rebecca Miller, his wife, a great director as well. She directed The Crucible. She literally, like he said in one of his Oscar speeches, he's like, thank you for, like, you live, you've lived with many men in, the, in, <laughs> yeah. in our lives. Because he's literally bringing Abe, Abe Lincoln home. He's literally bringing Bill the Butcher home. But he knows, he knows where he is. Yeah. He's, just he's not character. lost his mind. Yeah. Uh, he's like responding to texts and signing off as Abe or, or yeah. from Abe. Yeah, like he, he would talk to Spielberg and text him as Abe Lincoln. Or the same thing with um, Sally Field. He would text her as his wife, uh, Mary, saying like talking about the preparations for the film. So mm-hmm. he knows what's going on. He knows there's a camera in front of him. He knows that there's technology around him. He knows, he knows it's the year in, in the 2000s. But he just pretends as though he is Abe Lincoln living right here in this moment. Yeah, there's this great quote I found from it. It's, when the imagination frees itself, you have no goddamn idea what's going to happen. So it's not a constrictive or restrictive way of working, quite the opposite. What would drain me much more, and in my case, is jumping in and out of that world that we've gone to such an ordinate length to create for ourselves. So he felt that it's more exhausting to not method act. That's why he does it. And I think it just helps him get more into into the character. And so method acting, it's a technique used by actors to completely emotionally identify with the people that they're going to portray. Within the practice, the actor becomes the role and frequently stays in character for an extended period of time. You're engaged not to compartmentalize and fake feelings, but to give yourself but to get yourself to feel the actual feelings you need in each scene, this can lead to changes in psyche and behavior for as long as they inhabit the role. Called The Method, it was developed in New York in the 1930s and 40s by members of the group theater, including Lee Strasberg, Sanford Meisner, and Stella Adler. <clears throat> and, you know, it's not it's not method acting that makes Daniel Day the greatest actor talent in film history. It's the characters he creates and bodies with the tool of method acting, the full commitment mentally and physically. I mean, the physicality of his roles is is probably yeah. the most impressive as well, too. I mean, even if you compare My Left Foot or even uh, Daniel Plainview versus uh, Woodcock in Phantom Thread, just the physical performance of each person is, is as unique as the accents because he can do any accent. He can do any physicality. He can do anything he wants, and it's just because it's method acting as a tool, not like he's not trying to be pretentious, I don't think. Yeah, it's just his it's his process. And it's like a, a method actor like Christian Bale, he's ironically, he's not trained as an actor. He's an untrained actor. He's just, it's his own process, which is really cool. Two, two actors can kind of achieve the same amount of performance and quality of disappearing into a character and one's trained and one's not trained. Yeah, because Daniel Day is a very well-trained actor growing yeah. up. And what even separates him, I love the physicality because the physicality of Daniel Day-Lewis and his roles, he really embodies like a different soul and person with every film you see. And it's not just like, it's not like, so I love Johnny Depp, but like oftentimes like his roles, he transforms, but he's got a lot of makeup on. He's got a lot of wardrobe on. It's like he's like the Mad Hatter or Edward Scissorhands or Jack Sparrow. So 
a major transformations. But what makes Daniel Day different is that the transformations are minimal, but they're they're so different. Like it's like Phantom Thread, the clean shaven gray hair, the way he dresses, and it's he doesn't look much different from many of his other characters, but it feels so much different from Bill the Butcher. And there's no like special effects makeup on him. It's just very simple hair differences. That very, constant frown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He he contorts his face. He does different things with his entire body to create that difference between from character to character. Yeah, Christian Bale is the closest thing I think to Daniel Day Lewis because when you see him in Vice as Dick Cheney, different human being. And then even in uh, Ford vs Ferrari, he plays a real life person. He doesn't have any makeup or prosthetics on, but he just looks like a different human being just because of what he does. Some other popular examples of method acting. Obviously, we've heard the stories of Jared Leto and Suicide Squad is the Joker sending all the crazy weird gifts to his castmates like he sent like dead rats or something like that and I yeah. think used condoms to everybody which mm. is pretty messed That's up. That's pretty pretentious. I mean I know you want to get into character but like and you want to create this divide with the cast and crew and, and, the, and everything and have that But dynamic. you're not really the Joker. Yeah you're not actually <laughs> the Joker. Um, another great example is The Last King of Scotland. Forrest Whitaker took on the role of dictator Idi Amin. He actually moved to Uganda to learn how to talk to the, how, to, how the people talked. He even learned how to speak fluent Swahili and spent time with Amin's close friends and family to master the character's mannerisms. What we got was an incredible performance that even Ugandans who hated their dictator said was scary and accurate. There are dangerous examples, obviously, with De Niro and Christian Bale, who De Niro gained 60 pounds for Jake LaMotta, the boxer. Also, he got into incredible boxing shape, but then he puts on 60 pounds for the third act of the film. And obviously, everyone's concerned about his health because that's a serious thing to do for your body. He did it in one month by eating pasta in Italy. That's crazy. So it must have been a good time. (laughs) Christian Bale lost 65 pounds on a strict water, coffee, and one apple a day diet for for four months for his role in The Machinist. And we all know about all of his other crazy body transformations. Black Swan, Natalie Portman, utilized the method acting for her performance, and she said that she was so she was afraid during the production of Black Swan that she might actually die. She lost 20 pounds for the role and Natalie Portman was also was already a very, you know, lightweight petite actress and was basically only eating carrots and almonds and spending 8 hours a day in rehearsals. So she wow. got I think she was under 100 pounds easily for that role too and she's probably like 5'2". Yeah, I believe it cuz she is petite. So yeah, she could definitely get that low. So it method acting can get dangerous for actors and especially if they take them to extremes like a lot of these people in these films did. Yeah, like Christian Bale, I'm sure he has very troubling heart conditions like or heart problems you know i mean if you lose weight and pick up weight like that drastically it's not good for your heart he and i saw this quote with him and matt damon uh they were doing interview press for ford versus ferrari and matt damon was like yeah we were we were like chatting one day and then all of a sudden he got a call he's like oh sorry fellas this is for my heart doctor and then he <laughs> ran away and matt damon was like damn shit what's wrong <laughs> It's funny because in the film, Matt Damon's character, Shelby, has the heart problem. Exactly, yeah. The <laughs> ironic. But Daniel Day, he never really put on weight. I think that the reason for that is a lot. Of, most of the characters he played never were large men, and a lot of them were set before, you know, the, even the, 1900, eight, the 1900s. So. The heaviest person he's yeah. played in the movie is probably in The Boxer. Yeah, definitely, because of the muscle you put on for yeah, that. Yeah, that's and, probably the heaviest he's ever been in a movie. Role. Yeah, but also he's, he's in, in ridiculous shapes because for The Boxer... He trained for 18 months with a professional boxing instructor. Well, it's three, almost three years, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And the, the and boxing coach said that he could have been a professional boxer middleweight if he wanted to be. That's actually, how, I actually have a list of all the craziest stories of his method acting, if you want to go through those with me. Let's go through it, man. All right, but actually, 
Before we continue, if you're watching on YouTube or on social media, you may have noticed that Anthony and I have some brand new laptops on our desk. These are courtesy of LG, and these are the 17-inch LG Gram Ultra Lightweight Laptops. The cool thing about them is these laptops have a 16 by 10 aspect ratio, more vertical space on the screen, which is incredible for editing all the video content for the show, taking notes, but most importantly, for watching all of Daniel Day-Lewis's performances on this screen because it is really an incredible display. It's bright, vibrant, sharp. I definitely recommend the LG Gram Ultra Lightweight Laptops as a perfect gift for the holiday season, especially if the person that you're getting the gift for is a video editor or does work like that, audio editing, any all sorts of stuff like that. And if they love watching movies in bed because this is if I'm going to watch a movie in bed, it's going to be on the LG Gram, 100%. We'll put links in our YouTube video bio for the 16-inch and 17-inch LG Gram Ultra la Lightweight Laptops. Thanks so much to LG for sponsoring the show and LG Gram for these amazing laptops. Now, if you want to be a method actor like Daniel Day-Lewis and try to become a more well-groomed person, you're going to have to get on Manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping on your entire order today. I definitely recommend getting their Larmor 4.0 Groomer, which just came out this past couple months. It's incredible. Anthony and I both use it. It's sensational. I actually got one for a gift from my buddy for Christmas, so he's enjoying the hell out of it too. So Manscaped is also launching new products. We got their 2-in-1 shampoo conditioner. We also got their body wash. I'm using that in the shower every single day. I come out smelling the best I've ever had in my entire life. Nice and sudsy too. So all you fellas listening right now or anyone who has a man in their life and you got to get them something for the holidays, whether it be for for Christmas and it's a brother, a cousin, uh, your, your dad, an uncle, a friend, and they're a guy, I recommend going to manscaped.com. Their products are stuff that we'll actually use. So use our coupon code Raiders of Lost at checkout. You'll get 20% off and free shipping worldwide today. All right, let's get into these uh, fun Method acting, method acting facts. So there are tons of rumors floating around about Daniel Day-Lewis, and like some of them are made up, but these are ones that I found that are actually confirmed by Daniel Day-Lewis himself. And so I'll go. Did you talk to him? Yeah, yeah. yeah How's I, he doing? I texted him on his flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing great. He's he's uh he's he's making shoes again. Actually, he makes ties. So we'll go in chronological order. Um, so my beautiful laundrette, nineteen eighty five. Although the director was hesitant about casting Daniel Day-Lewis as a working class punk due to his privileged background coming up as a as a well-off actor and trained so well. The actor convinced him by mailing a letter that announced that he would break the director's leg if he did not get the part. And then in 1988, for the unbearable lightness of being, uh, Daniel Daylos learned how to speak Czech, even though the script was written in English. However, he wasn't satisfied with his efforts because he thought he failed to become a Czech. And... He actually didn't even speak Czech at all in the film, but he, he has like a Czech accent, but I think he just learned Czech because the it's character the word, Tomas yeah, is, is from. Czech. Yeah. Yeah. And then in 1989, in My Left Foot, based on Christy Brown's memoir, Daniel Day-Lewis, to get into character, refused to go anywhere without his wheelchair and even insisted on being wheeled to restaurants and around the set. And he even was fed by people on set because he had cerebral palsy, the character, so he kept going at that method on set. He also broke two ribs because he was hunched over throughout the entire production, and that ended up like dislocating his ribs. Yeah, and he was communicating to people on set with a typewriter, I believe, that he was just typing on with his left foot. Amazing. <laughs> so he went pretty far with that. He, that was his first Oscar, too. In the movie The Crucible, to get into his character of John Proctor, Daniel Day-Lewis also built the house that John Proctor lives in in the movie. 
And while they made the film, Daniel Day-Lewis lived in that film himself during production. Yeah, so actually, 1996, The Crucible, he stayed on Massachusetts on a Massachusetts island. In the film sets replica village without electricity or running water. He planted fields with the 17th century tools and built, like you said, the character's house. And I believe a table as well. And that's where he met his wife, Rebecca Miller, who directed the film. In she's, nine, a, she's a really great character. Yeah, it's a really good movie. In 1989, when he was playing Hamlet in the theater production, again, this is where we talk about where he claimed that he saw his father on stage. And um, this is actually a quote from him. I had the strange sensation that I was talking to my father. What he said to me on that night seemed particularly hard to bear. To some extent, I probably saw my father's ghost every night because, of course, if you're working in a play like Hamlet, you explore everything through your own experience. So that's how Anthony was talking about how intense his imagination must be where he's actually playing a character who sees his father's ghost he actually sees his father's ghost which is incredible mm-hmm. then 1992 the last of the mohicans in michael mann's epic historical drama starring daniel day lewis as hawkeye he in order to prepare adequately for the role he learns how to survive in the wilderness by actually learning how to skin and cook animals daniel day lewis also built a canoe of his own trained with tomahawks and figured out how to fire and reload a 12 pound flintlock rifle on the run also, during the making of Last Mohicans, Daniel Day-Lewis fully became Hawkeye, obviously, for the entire production. And that film took place uh, over Christmas. And so during the Christmas break, he went home and had Christmas with his family. But he he went as Hawkeye, obviously. And so he sat down at the Christmas table as Hawkeye and put his rifle down on the table beside him. That's wild. In the name of the father in 1993, based on actual events, this 1993 biopic starred Daniel Day-Lewis as a wrongfully accused inmate who spends more than a decade in prisoner the the actor got into character by losing 50 pounds and spent around 48 hours in solitary confinement of an actual prison without any food or water that's crazy 1997 i think he was obviously kept away from other prisoners yeah but it was yeah he was in solitary confinement by but himself. he also asked the crew of the film to shout disparaging remarks at him to um like literally like call him names and to throw cold water at him while he was in the prison cell and to not let him eat food. In The Boxer in 1997, Daniel Day-Lewis plays a boxer, obviously, Danny Flynn. And he trained for three years to get into the proper headspace of a boxer. And according to his trainer, which Anthony talked about earlier, Daniel Day-Lewis attained the required skill to compete at a professional level if you eliminate the top 10 middleweights in Britain. He also gave himself a tattoo on his hand. And then for Gangs of New York as Bill the Butcher, Daniel Day-Lewis got incredibly sick because he refused to wear any clothing that was not authentic and they shot this in the middle of winter and thus because the clothing was not very um warm he got pneumonia and, and you don't get obviously you don't get pneumonia from the cold but he yeah. his immunity was obviously weakened exactly. he's around hundreds of people every day so he probably yeah. got For months for probably months. got a virus or infection and it led to pneumonia because he wasn't wearing clothes because he was weakened and for months he refused to accept medication because it's not it was too modern and so he finally agreed to take some antibiotics when he got seriously sick. He also, for Gangs of New York, listened to Eminem at 5 in the morning every day, specifically emphasizing on the song The Way I Am from the Marshall Mathers LP. He learned how to throw cumbersome knives with pinpoint accuracy. He wore a glass contact lens for the scenes where, remember, he taps his eyeball with the knife. And he was also apprenticed as a butcher. For the movie Phantom Thread, to prepare for his role... As Reynolds Woodcock, he became an apprentice dressmaker of couture dresses, which is a, it's a high fashion handmade dress. It's very very expensive kind of dress. Under Mark Happel. Yeah, and he was the uh, he was the costume designer for the um, London Ballet, uh, New York City New Ballet. New York City Ballet. I'm sorry, and so he trained with him for over a year, 
as uh, his assistant, uh, as his apprentice. And then he finally made Phantom Thread. Yeah, and then he actually even made his own dress that his wife has yeah. actually worn to events. That was his final preparation for the film was to just create a, a, a complete couture dress by himself, which is a really very difficult thing to do. Yeah, so he sketched it and made it himself. Super impressive thing to do. And I think the sketches in the film are actually of his that he's made. Yeah, those all the sketches in that scene um, when he brings Volma back to the house, those are all by his own hand. Thanks for confirming. <laughs> I, I I confirmed with Daniel Day earlier. Yeah, he, he, in the T9 text messaging. <laughs> <laughs> in The Ballad of Jack and Rose, which came out in 2005, he, to prepare for the role, Daniel Day-Lewis learned more about isolation by living in a shack without his family for most of the production. He also built a kitchen table, and he played an iconoclast living off the grid, so he actually really did it. In uh, There Will Be Blood, this is actually a very funny one. During the climactic scene between uh, Daniel and Eli, when he's throwing his bowling balls at him in the bowling alley, he was actually throwing real bowling balls at Paul Dano. I'm, every time I watch him, I'm like, There's, that's definitely a real they're, bowling they ball. They bounce too realistically yeah. to be fake. There's no way they're fake. Because they're, they're heavy. And it's, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, so yeah. you know it's going to be real. And it's Daniel Day, so you know he's like, I'm not throwing a, a fake ball, a I rubber ball. I wonder if he ball. even told them about it. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you under, now I understand why D- Paul Dano literally has a serious look of fear in his face. For real. Also in There Will Be Blood, he actually didn't do a ton of prep for the character besides creating him on his own in terms of like method acting. So he just read the first like 150 pages of Upton Sinclair's oil. And then besides that, he just came up with it on his own. And there's a rumor where he built an oil derrick and like oiled and like tried to get oil on his own, which is which is totally BS. But he actually said in an interview that that's not a bad idea. Maybe he should have tried it. But yeah, he didn't. Use, he didn't do anything method crazy. He just was the character, but he didn't do anything crazy research or prep wise for it. Maybe he like dug some holes. Maybe I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, just to get in the headspace of that character, which is probably his best. It's yeah. incredible to just fathom that. Mm-hmm. And then in Lincoln, um, we talked about it earlier where he basically, you know, he's Abe Lincoln on set, so all people on set would call him. Mr. President or colleagues like with Spielberg, they'd call him Abe. He'd sign text messages, yours, A, or or from Abe, stuff like that. And also, just I mean, just to create the character of a person that you don't know what they sound like, it's absolutely incredible. What's interesting about the Abe Lincoln character is historically in all forms of media, TV, or film, Abe Lincoln was always portrayed with a very deep voice, mm-hmm. like Abe Lincoln. But it was... Dan D. Lewis's voice is very high-pitched, and he did that on purpose because... Through his research, and many people wrote about it, uh, Abe actually had a pretty high-pitched voice. And this actually worked in his benefit because a higher-frequency voice can travel further across a a crowd. Whereas if he had a deeper voice, it would be harder for people in the backs of crowds to hear him. And so there are lots of um, people who wrote about how even thousands of people behind – even if they were behind thousands of people, they could still hear Abe Lincoln's um, higher-pitched voice carry across the entire area. That's interesting. So that's why his voice is higher than you might think it is. Yeah, so he definitely does research on that. But it's just still oh, yeah. to like create the voice of Abraham Lincoln is just so impressive. How do you do that? And just the per- like the everything about it, the physicality of the character. Yeah. But how about we head into our intermission and then we'll go through his filmography chronologically. That sounds like a, a great plan. All right, let's go to intermission. Let's start with our movie quote competition. I have a couple. One's from me and one's from a fan. We'll do the fan one first. This is from Lawrence Merce. Hey, Lauren. And you, miss, are no lady. Oh, say it again. And you, miss, are no lady. <laughs> is it? I think the line before it is, and you are no gentleman, or you, sir, are no gentleman. I'm going to guess. Is this uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? No. <laughs> Damn. What is it? Gone with the Wind. Oh, good one, Lauren. You stumped me. All right, this one's for me. The closer we are to danger, 
the further we are from harm. The closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm. Man, that's a that's a tough one. I don't know. Pippin in the two towers with Eisen with oh. tree guard, with Treebeard. Double oh, st- double stumped. Move south. That's closer to Isengard. <laughs> All right, your turn. Here's my quote. I am a writer, a doctor, a nuclear physicist, and a theoretical philosopher. But above all, I am a man. A hopelessly inquisitive, inquisitive man. man. <laughs> just like you. I'll give everyone a moment. Yeah, give them a it's moment. a really great line. Give them a moment. Really, 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 really great movie. The Master. Nice. I was curious because you, you did that last time and you got it wrong. <laughs> that build up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guess this movie release year. Amistad. Okay. It's a great Spielberg movie. Stevie Spielberg, kid. With uh, Jimon Hintsu and Matthew McConaughey. I'm going to go with 1997. Yeah. Yes. Spot on. Oh, yeah. Look at this guy. Look at this Can't guy. Can't stop me twice. Okay. Here's my movie release year. Boogie Nights. Going on the PTA questions today. Yeah, I did all PTA once. 1996. 97. God damn it. Too bad. Too bad. All right, movie pop quiz time. How many films has Daniel Day-Lewis appeared in? Shoot. (laughs) uh, I'm going to go with, it's going to be in the 20s. I say 23. 21. Oh, man. And again, that's counting his Little first role. uncredited role yeah. in Sunday, Bloody Sunday. That was pretty close. Yeah, that's crazy to think he's only been in 21 movies. It's insane. Insane. Okay, here's my quiz question. Ready for it? Mm-hmm. What PTA film did Sam Jackson star in? Um. Hmm. Let me rack my brain. Rack it, man. Oh man, I'm drawing a blank. Heart eight. I was gonna say heart eight. Ah. Yeah. He's one of the. God vil- damn he's it. The, he's like the smaller villain. Should have just said it. <laughs> I was like, it's not heart eight, is it? <laughs> yeah, you, you should have said it, man. Look at you now. A failure. You look like a fool. You look like a fool. All right. Uh, who's our hater of the week? Hater of the week. We have a couple of unsubscribed haters. <clears throat> our favorite kind. Twisted Vibrations wrote in our Empire List video, How do you not recognize Amelie as an international movie? Also, higher should mean closer to one and lower should mean closer to 100. Unsubscribed. If you saw that episode, you knew you would know what he means. And then also, Chizran wrote, These guys don't know that Good, the Bad, and the Ugly was directed by a very Italian man. Unsubscribed. I, I think I corrected you halfway yeah, yeah, through the episode, me. yeah. Because <laughs> we were like, there's no Italian films on here. And then we like, oh, yeah, Sergio Leone. It's, yeah, but it's still an American film is what I meant. But it was a funny unsubscribe. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have a couple of great five-star reviews that we want to talk about. Let's so, hear them. Tommy Tom, 1955. Hits my G geek spot. Well done. <laughs> Mission accomplished, gents. Um, this one's from Gator. Gator, I'll play that. Gator, I'll play that. Found this show on TikTok and have been addicted ever since. These fellas keep me laughing slash entertained at work all day. 
And then... Thanks, pal. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for those five-star reviews. That's, That's incredible. so sweet. Very nice of you. On this day in film history, today is Monday, December 6th. In 1982, Gandhi, directed by Richard Attenborough, starring Ben Kingsley, premieres in New Delhi. Danny Day-Lewis was in Gandhi. Yeah, he was. Yeah. In 1990, Burt Lancaster suffered a stroke. Oh, he was man. an iconic actor, American actor. In 1993, Schindler's List premiered in Washington, D.C. And happy birthday to our man, Ridley Scott. Oh, love man. you. All the Marvel people are going to be upset about that, but... Happy birthday, really. Yeah, Goated. We love Ridley. Goated director. Top, top 10 all time, probably. Goated. Streaming recommendation for me is Children of Men by Alfonso Cuaron. It is currently on Amazon Prime, and it's an amazing, amazing movie. Good pick. Nice. My streamer is Last of the Mohicans on Amazon Prime. Daniel yeah, Lewis oh yeah, is a great there. film. You're right. One of Michael Mann's most underrated films. It's, I think it's Heat, and then Last of the Mohicans is probably his second best one. All right, now let's start going through his filmography, starting obviously 1971. We talked about Sunday Bloody Sunday as his first role, really, but it's uncredited, so skip on past that. And then he was in a couple TV series in the early 1980s. He was in Gandhi, a uh, small role in 1982. He played like a, a thug. Yeah, Gandhi's an incredible film, by the way. Ben Kingsley's fantastic as the title character in that movie. Directed by Richard Attenborough, yeah. who plays um, the what's it from Jurassic Park, the creator of Jurassic Park. Oh, he plays... um. Your what, guy, spare what, no expense. Yeah, what's his? I can't remember his name. Uh, but that's that's Richard Roger Richard Attenborough. Wow, I'm blanking on it. Right so now. he directed Gandhi. Crazy. Yeah. And then 1984, he was in the Bounty. That was his first film role. And then My Beautiful Laundrette was probably the first film to get him like critical acclaim. His he, first lead. He plays the character Johnny, who's like we talked about in that little brief thing about the letter he sent. He plays like this punk in this uh, Margaret Thatcher UK. Era and he plays. He, he links up with an old childhood friend who's a Pakistani, and it's about their relationship going forward. They build a romance. It's yeah. a really sweet um, gay drama. I think it was really sensational. Uh, great early role for him. Um, I think that Daniel Day Lewis really tapped into the the UK over there. This was a big deal. I think him and Christian Bale had a similar role with um, Velvet Goldmine in the 90s and this is definitely a great step forward for him as a lead actor yeah the character itself is really incredible i like the look of the character he's got like the bleach blonde hair that's been mm -hmm. growing in a little bit and he just it's a, it's a great kind of coming of age for like a like an early someone in their 20s it's like graduate yeah, of you know coming what I mean? of age. Like, like you're not a kid anymore but you're still trying to figure out who you are in the world again a great film it's not super chewy with um like being an amazing crazy character that we're used to with him but it's a great start for him all right and then Let's see, some more TV in the 1985, and Nanu in 1986. Then uh, in 1985, he was in A Room with a View. And he kind of, he basically plays, oh, yeah, sorry, he plays the villain of the film. He plays the man who wants to marry Helena Bonham Carter's um, character. Cecil Vice. Yeah, and he's he's like the most pretentious, yuppie, D-bag, like so like full of himself. It's and an amazing performance. It's, a, yeah, it's so, really sensational. He's like basically trying to control Helena's life. I can't remember her character's name. I'm sorry, but he's a great role. He's, he's essentially like the villain of the film. Yeah, we talked about that when we did our Helena Bonham Carter spotlight which was a Patreon bonus episode. And that was just like a star-making role for Helena Bonham Carter. I think that was her first film role, right? First one. And it ended up being a Best Picture winner, I believe. Nominee. Or nominee. So it's actually a really, really good movie. I think it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. But it's actually, it's a very funny performance. Performance When you watch it, his accent is so yuppie. So eccentric. Yeah. The glasses that he wears, they don't have frames behind yeah. his ears. They're just like the Morpheus glasses on his, <laughs> on his nose. He's always wearing the funny hats and the, the clothing is just like, it's pitch perfect. I, it's, it cracks me up whenever I see he like He kills like it. the pretentious accent so yeah. well. He, he like, he's the person that makes you like grind your gear, like grind your 
your teeth. Like I can't stand this person. Yeah. So Helena Bonham Carter's character doesn't is like is supposed to marry him, but she doesn't want to. Yeah. And it's like a little love exactly. angle going on. Um, not new in 1986, and then the unbearable lightness of being in 1988 is probably his best next performance. Yeah, it's a very um, dramatic, sensual movie with Juliette Binoche, who's one of my favorite actors. She's a great French actress. You've seen her in a ton of stuff, and um, this is a very sexually charged, uh, dark, emotional film, and he, he plays a great character named Thomas. I think this is a really f- uh, awesome movie for those of you who are like, like movies that are like David Cronenberg or things like that, like sexual thrillers. It's not much of a, th- really a thriller, but it's a uh, great drama. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and this is yeah. And th- this is the one where he, he learned Czech. Czech. Yeah. And it, I like the character a lot because it's the exact opposite of his personality. Like this womanizer who's like super charming, but only uses it to get what he wants out of people and out of women. So it's mm-hmm. like the, so far from what Dana Day-Lewis is in real life in terms of what I've seen on set, on interviews and stuff like that. So I think that's why it's such an interesting performance to, to watch him in because it's like, this guy can literally do anything. And this is like the start of that. This guy can do anything. Yeah, it was a big hit too, definitely. Let's see. Moving on to 1989. No, so 1988, he was in Stars and Bars, which I guess- I haven't seen. That was in, like an attempt at a comedy. Yeah. I don't- We watched a trailer and it you looked really- You can't find much yeah, online. I've it never, looked pretty bad. I've never heard of it. I'd never heard of it. I watched the trailer and I was like, eh, <laughs> I don't know. There's and like also, five videos on YouTube of it. Also, Daniel Day, he doesn't, like, whenever I see him in something contemporary, it doesn't look right. Yeah. Like, he's got a suit and tie in the movie and it's in like- an office building. That doesn't seem right at all. Yeah. He needs to be in a period setting. He has, like, a face that has to be non-contemporary at all. Like, it, I can't see him in anything that has to do, like, in the name of the father, I'll give him that because it's, it's, I mean, it's Ireland and it's still kind of a period piece. It was made after the events of that film, but still, like, even that, like, that I'll accept, but, like, him in, in like, a modern suit and tie in an office, like, no way. It doesn't work. But then then he had a huge, huge movie. It's the biggest one of his career up to this point, and that's My Left Foot, where he played Christy Brown. And this is really an unbelievable film, a terrific performance. People say it's his best. You could argue that it's his best, and... You know, he played a character with cerebral palsy. Eventually, he could only control his left foot, hence the name of the film. He he ended up becoming a painter and a writer. It's a really miraculous story. But Daniel Day in this movie is so, so believable as this person. And he's so believable with this condition. It's like, I'm sure, like, if if I watched this in theaters for the first time when it came out, I would have believed that, like, this was actually someone with cerebral palsy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's an incredible performance, and we talked about earlier how he was full method on it, and he, he acted as Christy Brown. He was Christy Brown on set and off when we weren't filming or anything. And I think I read the uh, interview with the executive producer where she only saw him walking once the entire production. Wow, that's crazy on his feet. So he was probably just in the wheelchair as soon as he got. Probably showed up on in a wheelchair and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So can only imagine what he did like at home as well. But the performance is absolutely incredible. The way he tries to communicate and speak because he couldn't, uh, Christy Brown couldn't speak words really. Is he had to just try to get out what he could. But people could pretty much understand him for the most part when they spent a lot of time with him. But and then typing and and painting and writing and drawing with literally using just his left foot because it's yeah. Daniel Day Lewis and he's going to do a full method. And what's really great about Christy Brown is he never like let it. Sink, sink him down. He never like. I mean, he had his bad moments and he had his ruts, but like he always had a great sense of humor, and he was always like very vulgar with his humor. Yeah, it's a very and funny. He, movie. And he really enjoyed having fun. You know what I mean? And I think that Daniel Day brought that so much to the character, where he was so likable, even when he was being an asshole in some of the scenes. You still really loved the character. Yeah, Christy Brown 
to be able to overcome that to just become the kind of person that he was absolutely incredible story mm-hmm. performance is phenomenal phenomenal all right moving on to also in 1989 he was in ever smile new jersey which is one of those other in his filmography that's just mm-hmm. like what he plays this traveling dentist who's trying to preach the word of dentistry and clean people's teeth and stuff like that it's kind of a weird looking film yeah the, the comedies he didn't really nail at all like i think he kind of obviously missed the mark with his comedies. i that think you're right he just doesn't belong in modern yeah, films because this doesn't work kind of modern at the time and then in the 1980s he's too good <laughs> he's too good of an actor yeah because yeah, he when he's wearing a suit it's like what are you doing with that yeah, on man yeah, take it off throw you gotta you gotta go live in the jungle or something man. yeah so then in 1992 <laughs> he took three years off from acting and then he was in the last of the Mohicans and he, he didn't take three years off he was prepared oh, for, yes, like, <laughs> for nathaniel poe aka hawkeye and this is a michael mann film and it's really really good it's an awesome movie it's really fantastic and and like i said like it's this is three years after ever smile new jersey but you can imagine he probably spent close to maybe two years preparing for this one yeah probably and hawkeye is an awesome character i i love him in this movie the the accent is amazing and because of his prep work of all the skills he developed that you mentioned earlier, like building building a a canoe, hunting, living with his rifle, uh, you when he's in these action sequences, and when he's working with these tools and working on the land, like you can tell, like this person knows what they're doing. It's not yeah. like another actor where some like expert on set was like, okay, you just grab it like this and you do that and blah blah blah, and they just got the, the directions right there a minute before the they took they did the seat the take. Who would ever do that? Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Day, like he's like he is the expert by the time they're they're filming, and it's mm-hmm. an amazing performance. It's so great. Yeah, in Hawkeye, it's like sort of duality of a character because he has that like a past life, and he and he yeah he he was raised by Native Americans from the age of like four. Yeah, so he he, he speaks English and everything as yeah. well, and he's he's like the voice and communication between the 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 colonizers in the film and everything. But he kind of has like two dualities of personality where he can be a very soft spoken character and gentle, but at the same time, when there's a battle going down. He's running with two rifles in his hand, shooting them both at the same time. It's insane. Yeah, and incredible. He goes, he goes through a lot of turmoil. He loses a lot in this film, uh, in, in terms of his family members. And there is a great villain uh, that he has to overcome. It's a great couple of battle sequences in this movie. Romance. This movie. This movie has it all. A great score and Michael Mann's directing is really just pitch perfect. It's a lot of fun. I think it's a really underrated movie. And I, people, people love Last of Mohicans, and Danny Day Lewis really brought it. Yeah, and then 1993 is the first time he worked with Martin Marty. Scorsese. Marty. Marty! For The Age of Innocence. In, it's a romantic drama. It's set in Victorian... What year is this? Victorian era? The year? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Winona Ryder's... Of course, last year. Yeah, Winona <laughs> Ryder's in it. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's in it also, yeah. too. So it's a really great cast. And Newland Archer is a very interesting character. It's something that he'd never really done before. And also, the movie, it's kind of like... It was uh, something that Marty really never had tackled either in his career at that point. It was great to see his filmmaking style in this kind of setting, in this genre. And Newland's a great character. He's engaged to Winona Ryder's character, and they're going to get married, but he ends up falling deeply in love with Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Mm-hmm. So he's battling with that because you know he wants to be a loyal fiancé and then a, obviously eventually a loyal husband, but he cannot stop thinking about Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Them, them two on screen... They have excellent chemistry, very fiery romance, and this movie is just so perfectly made, really lush cinematography, great costume design, and again, Daniel Day is just completely transformed. To go from Hawkeye to this, 
is just really unbelievable in a year. It's, it's insane. It's, you can say the same thing about Marty, where he goes from Goodfellas in 1990 yeah. to this in 1993. So anyone who says that Martin Scorsese only makes gangster movies, you got to go through that guy's filmography. He had done non-gangster movies before this, obviously, but this is an incredible period piece. The production design and filmmaking are incredible. Yeah, I think Marty, he might have wanted to just clean cleanse his palate with something that was not about death and you know, crime Gangsters and, and yeah. crime. Because, you know, even though that's like what he grew up in and that those are that's his way of telling stories, you know, that's his community and that's what he knows best. It's still like to, nice to like see him do stuff like this. And this is a, honestly, this is a really excellent costume drama. It really is one of the best of the last few decades. It's a really sensational film. And Winona Ryder is really good in it too because yeah. she's acting opposite Daniel Day-Lewis in this. And he was, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis by this point in his career. Yeah, it's he a had big won deal. an Oscar. So, he, yeah. Even though he was in Eversmile, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a great film. And then in 1993, also, In the Name of the Father came out. And this is an incredibly powerful film. Um, it's got some of the best acting you'll ever see. Like the scene with him and his father in the in prison, the, in the prison yeah. it's so, so good. It reminds me a lot of of that scene of Fassbender and the priest in, in Hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just incredible roles, incredible acting. And it's, it's a tragic script. You know, it's about someone who is basically ha- takes the fall for a crime because he's coerced by corrupt police officers and politicians and powerful people. And he serves 10 years in prison. And his father gets arrested as well. It's heartbreaking because the movie starts out, he's just like this really naive young kid, really innocent guy. He's just, you know, looking to like meet people and like enjoy himself and him and his buddy. They travel across the city and then, then they're picked up by the authorities. Um, thinking they, and, they did the bombings. Yeah. thinking they did the bombings and, it's really tragic. It's really tragic courtroom scenes. The prison scenes are very tough to watch sometimes. And, you know, Daniel Day, he lost a ton of weight for this. And he really imbued that sense of just hopelessness and the pain and anguish that the character was going through for so many years. And it's a really, really powerful film. It's really it's sensational. It's definitely one of the best Irish films ever made. Yeah. And he's and obviously he does a great Irish accent. Yeah, he's got uh, the duality. So, and it's a complicated time in Ireland's history. You know what I mean? The IRA, it's like and basically like a civil war that was Pretty going much. on back then. Yeah, and it's also why I want to. I really want to see um, Belfast. Belfast, Ken yeah. Branagh's new film. That looks great. Can't wait to check that out. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we have The Crucible, and this is the film where he met his wife Rebecca Miller. Right? She mm-hmm. directed this. Is the yeah. first time they worked together, I believe. First time. Yeah, so he stars as John Proctor. This came out in 1996. And we went to Catholic school, so we we read this in school, The Crucible. <laughs> yeah. but it's a very famous play about witch hunts. And in the film, uh, something strange happens to one of the girls. Like, they get very sick or something, and then she claims witchcraft. And then eventually, uh, a group of the girls end up pointing fingers at several citizens of the village as witches and, and guilty of witchcraft. And then it, it begins this hysteria of people becoming guilty and being put under questioning and it's a very troubling time in this country's history back then when you know there's no science and so <laughs> people thought like witches were re- real and it was they used that as an explanation for things that were hard to understand and and he plays the the husband of a woman who's dealing with this as well and then he eventually has to face the uh point that he has to face the consequences of the girls because well, he has an well. affair but he yeah. breaks off the affair with his lover mm-hmm. and then she's or which which is the one that starts to spread the rumors we know writer so she's the one that yeah. spreads the rumors that the other one is a witch yeah and so then they have to deal with that and they try to frame elizabeth the character for witchcraft yeah and then it's a great scene where he has to face the persecution of the entire village it's a really incredible performance it's a tough role it's a very famous role as well john proctor and I, he just killed it. It's so good. And um, 
what's her name? I can't remember her name from the Bourne movies. She plays her. Um, what's her name? I can't remember. I'm sorry. She's she's she plays um, Proctor's wife, Joan Allen. Joan Allen. Thank you. Got you. Thank you. That's her name, Joan Allen. I don't know how that popped in. Yeah. All right. What else do we have next? So then, well, bef- well before we continue, okay. I got to tell you all about MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. The holiday season is coming. You got to get gifts for that film lover in your life, and there is no better gift than a movie poster. To deck out their homes. If you're checking out our set online, it is covered with these amazing posters. High quality stuff, everyone. They have all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting, whatever your poster needs are, as well as pretty much every movie and TV show you can imagine they have on their arsenal. Head on over to movieposters.com and use our special promo code, Raiders10. Again, Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. And our other awesome sponsor, Arc Studio Pro, is offering a very special deal of $30 off their membership if you use the link arcstudiopro.com slash Raiders. This is the most efficient, streamlined, and elegant screenwriting software on the market. I use Arc Studio Pro every single day for my screenwriting needs because it is the best software that you can pay for. They have all sorts of amazing features like the very cool plot board, which allows you to easily organize your plot points and acts with this cool digital drag and drop system like flashcards. They also have an app for your desktop and phone, online collaboration with co-writers, super helpful outlining tools, revisionist management, and even links to feedback. Again, head on over to arcstudiopro.com slash Raiders to get $30 off your screenwriting membership today. Now, let's get back into it. Let's get into The Boxer. Oh, yes. In 1997, he played character Danny Flynn, who is a character who was released in prison from prison after serving 14 years. He was in the IRA, and then as he comes back out of prison, um, he has mixed feelings from his community. And those who don't know, the IRA was the Irish Republican Army who uh, they were trying to get rid of. British rule in yeah. Northern Ireland at the mm-hmm. time. And so his character went to prison for acts serving in that organization. Terrorist acts. Yeah. And then he comes back out of prison and decides and becomes a boxer. And this is a really great sports film. It's a very underrated boxing film. Daniel Day-Lewis, the thing with boxing is it's like Rocky. I love Rocky, but it's not like accurate in the portrayal of boxing. Like, Realistically, you mean those the montages of, of him training in the cabin in in Russia? Isn't no, real? no, no. I'm talking about the actual fights. Oh, the, okay, the like the haymaker after haymaker after. You haymaker. mean you mean a five foot eight Italian man weighing 160 <laughs> pounds can't take all those punches from Apollo no, Creed, who's no, no, no. the most ripped person alive? <laughs> and just that no one's keeping their arm, no one's blocking anything, and it's just money shot after money shot. But this movie, I think, did a really fantastic job of accurately portraying boxing in. Especially the boxing of the era. Exactly. And also Daniel Day-Lewis with his performance as the boxer because the thing with boxing is like when you're fighting, you you want to hit them, but you're also keeping – you you're trying to avoid being hit by them. And you're constantly getting ready to react. And there's like this tension that you have of like if you're going to go in, you got to be ready for like someone to strike back as well. And I think in the boxing scenes, he did a great job of really showing that tension as a fighter of not just – it, it's not like this is a choreographed fight and they're just doing it clean. It's like he's throwing a punch, but then he's like 
you know, afraid of getting hit, so he's like backing away or, or he's playing defense, playing defense, Countering. exactly. It seems real. So it seems a lot so, so authentic to what real boxing is, and not completely choreographed. Too. Exactly. But yeah, he's incredible in this movie. It's, it's one of the best boxing movies ever made, I think, and he just does a tremendous job. And we always talk about how a lot of actors they they get that box that great boxing role. I mean, Jake just had it with Southpaw. De Niro's got his with with uh, Raging Bull. Obviously, Sylvester with the seventeen Rocky movies that he's made. <laughs> so we love boxing films, and I think. They're the most interesting in terms of sports films because it's about just one sole person rather than a team. So it's a little more interesting story wise. Even Russell Crowe has one. It's a great, what's the one he's in? Cinderella Man. Yeah, Cinderella Man. It's a really good movie. So I, I love boxing movies and I think this is great. It's the ultimate conflict. You know, you you against one other person fighting until the other one can't fight anymore. It's a great conflict. And Daniel Day Lewis even got a bunch of hand tattoos in this film for real. Yeah, so, he did one to himself. Yeah, so the tattoos in this movie he still has to this day on his hands. All right. Then he retired from acting after this. But guess who and started making him, shoes? Started making shoes, and also there was a time where he was woodworking, making yeah. making furniture. And so, obviously, if someone's going to coax you out of retirement from acting, it's going to be Martin Scorsese for Gangs of New York, playing Bill the Butcher. I'm sure we've all seen this movie a bunch of times. It's one of Scorsese's best. I think a pretty underrated film in his catalog. It's absolutely incredible with Daniel Day Lewis and Leonardo DiCaprio, just the two leads of this film, and. Leo's amazing in this movie, sensational. But Daniel Day-Lewis, what he created with Bill the Butcher, I don't know how he didn't win Best Actor for this. He got a nomination. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's his most. It's probably his most chilling role, most terrifying role, maybe because of the content in terms of what he's doing in the film. That's why he didn't win. But, man, he is the most terrifying character of, of like I've ever seen. Can you look up who won over him? Yes. And in this role, so he had retired, and then Scorsese, was it, he wanted to make this movie, but he couldn't find an actor for Bill the Butcher. He had Leo. But they they were having trouble finding someone who could really pull off the build a butcher role, and then he and his producers were like, you know, Daniel Day Lewis would be good for this. Like, where is he? And so they they reached out to him a few times, and he said no a few times. And then he kind of I I can't I never found their actual story, but in, in a way Scorsese kind of tricked him into like getting into a conversation about it. Like he had he flew him out to New York to like I think he said under pre, under the pretense of like catching up and grabbing dinner in New York and stuff. But I think during that that hangout, he spoke to him about the project of Gangs in New York and Bill the Butcher, the character. And I think that, I think Scorsese knew that, because they had worked together before, if I can pitch him this character, I think he'll be fascinated by it and want to play it. And he was right. Okay, so the actors who were nominated for Best Actor in the leading role that year, besides Daniel Day-Lewis for Gangs of New York, was Nicolas Cage for Adaptation, Jack Nicholson for About Schmidt, Adrian Brody oh, for the pianist, for the Schmidt. pianist, and then Michael Caine for the oh, Quiet American. Okay. So obviously that was when Adrian, Adrian Brody, Brody won the youngest person at the time to win an Oscar for Best Actor. Okay, I love the pianist and I love Adrian Brody and the pianist, but I mean that's pretty surprising that he won over Bill the Butcher. Both incredible yeah. performances, though. Yeah. I mean that's kind of up in the air, for, you know. It is, yeah, it is, uh, yeah, but still, Bill the Butcher. I got to give it to him. Uh, but Adrian Brody was absolutely amazing. And I think, I mean, I have no problem with him winning the, an Oscar for that performance. Yeah, but I mean, Gangs in New York, it's such such a good movie about the five points in New York. And what, like, what a Wild West world it was to live back then. And like, how fortunate we are to live in the time that we're living in now. Especially like when the Ital- when the Irish were coming over at that time. Then even after that, and then in the 1880s and 90s, when the Italians were coming over to America and the hardships they faced and mm-hmm. how difficult it was for them just to see what it was like coming to America, how hard it was to be an immigrant in the 19th century it's like life and death every single day oh yeah absolutely and this was even before the industrial revolution really 
capitalize yeah. the country. You know Post what I mean? Post-Civil War. Yeah. So there's, there's like this Turn weird, of the this weird feel even in the northern states and cities, it seems like, in these communities. It's a fascinating character, too. Bill the Butcher, he makes the movie, and I love DiCaprio in this film, but it is Daniel Day-Lewis's film, and... It's a, it's a re- I think it's one of the best performances of all time. The accent is so incredible. When you hear him talk, it's like with this American accent. I, I can't do it. With this incredible accent, the look, the mustache, the wardrobe, the, the silly-looking outfits, and then the hair, the greasy hair. It's like a wild animal. Yeah, and he, he didn't shower at all during the production as well. So his hair was really greasy like that, for real. <laughs> and, and there's that great story where... DiCaprio and Scorsese convinced Dino DeLewis to go out to dinner with them one night during they were while they were filming, and they went to dinner in New York at a nice restaurant. And Dino DeLewis went to dinner as Bill the Butcher, and you know Bill the Butcher outfits and, and Bill the Butcher outfit, and he terrified the waitress. And I can really imagine what his order was, probably just like a rare steak, <laughs> rare steak. <laughs> I'll cook it myself. But it's like he has such a, amazing monologues in this film, some really great dialogue and. He just is a sensational performer, and every time he's on screen, he is just – you can't take your eyes off of him. That's, That's a kill. Good. That's a kill. That's a kill. It's really, really remarkable. It's an amazing role. It's one of the most memorable memorable characters in film history, I yeah. think, in my opinion, Bill mm-hmm. the Butcher for sure. I think it's maybe his most memorable. I think even maybe more than Daniel Plainview possibly. Yeah, you could have that argument. Uh, next up in 2005, he was in The Ballad of Jack and Rose as character Jack Slavin. And this is this is a good family drama. It's about a, a man and his daughter, and, you know, there's actually some kind of, like, intimate connection between them. And, uh, his, Didn't his wife direct this, too? Yeah, she directed Rebecca this Miller. film. Yeah, she wrote and directed this one. It's a really good film. Camille Bell, um, the actress, um, she plays his daughter. She was in that movie, The... Uh, with uh, she's a babysitter and keeps getting tormented by someone on the phone. Scream? No, stranger. Halloween. When a stranger calls, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's a great, it's a good movie. It's a good little indie drama, comedy, uh, family drama, and it's not like a larger than life character, obviously. But I think it's a really good role. Yeah. And then 2007, there will be blood, this which is, is where he won his second Oscar, playing Daniel Plainview. Anthony's all-time favorite film. This is in my top 10 for sure. We've seen this movie a dozen times. We did an episode on this with No Country for Old Men because they both complement each other so well. So definitely check that episode out if you like haven't yet. and carrots. And you know, There Will Be Blood is literally just a character study of Daniel Plainview. And it's one of the most incredible characters ever created for film. Daniel Day-Lewis just went full on into this role. And I love every second, every single frame that he puts into this performance, even just the first 15 minutes. There's no dialogue spoken. It's just Daniel Plainview as a poor man just trying to find silver in a mine and then just grow his business of oil and getting to oil eventually. It's just just the physicality of the performance and just and then the accent and the voice and the improvisation and the and the, it, the acting, everything about this character that he created is incredible. Yeah, it's such an amazing movie and such an amazing performance. And the, the, the Daniel Plainview is such an interesting character. This flawed man who cares only about not not just success but building an empire, and then once he gets it, he uses that to just isolate himself. And you know, we're talking about a man who adopts a young boy as a way to help him as a salesman. You yeah. know what I mean? And and eventually abandoning abandoning his child once he becomes I abandoned my boy, abandoned my child. Once he became an issue, once you know it became a problem having hw around with the with now that he's deaf he abandoned him and sent him away you know it's a, it's a flawed individual it's a, i think it's one of the greatest character pieces ever put on film 
It's one of the greatest. I think it's the. I think it could be the greatest performance of all time. It's really, really sensational. Really, in, like it's an unbelievable role. Really, really great dialogue. Really great situations. I love the the rivalry between he and Eli. There's just so much to this film. I could talk about it for. We gotta do another episode. We should do on a it. solo episode on it because there's yeah. so much to analyze. We did like an like a half hour, forty five minutes on it, but yeah. we still need to get more into yeah. it. I mean, we've been quoting this movie for the last freaking fifteen years. Yeah, too, I dude. quote it all the time. Drain Drainage. <laughs> you have a milkshake. I have a milkshake. Maestro goes across, across the room. It's so funny. <laughs> he manages to like make you laugh as well. It's really, really great. Yeah, love the movie. Obviously, PTA maybe his best movie in general. That like Boogie Nights. It's hard to pick. Um, but yeah, we love There Will Be Blood, obviously. And then in 2009, he was in the movie Nine, which is kind of like an unofficial sequel to Eight and a Half, uh, Fellini's film. And this was made by Robert Rob Marshall, and this is a musical. Uh, the Eight and a Half is not a musical, but it's very theatrical. So I guess it suits the the this sequel to being a musical. And he doesn't play exactly the same character, but he does play a character who's basically based off of that character. They're both named Guido. But I think that I was Guido Contino. Yeah, but Contini. Yeah, but that's not his last name. That's not his sure name in the first in eight and a half. But I was surprised. I didn't know Daniel Day-Lewis could sing, and he's actually a, a good singer. I, I was I was shocked. I was like, oh, he actually pulls it off. Probably did like two years of prep, dude. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> but it's, it's a fun movie. It's got a great great cast. You know, Penelope Cruz, Nicole Kidman, a bunch of great other actors, and great dance numbers. Terrific set design. I think that Daniel Day-Lewis wanted to maybe try something different and. You know, push himself because he had never done singing before in a film. So I think it's a, a fun film, and it's—I mean, it's not eight and a half, but I think it's—it's it's a fun little kind of kind of sequel to it. Yeah, it's similar to I think like the unbearable lightness of being, where it's just a character that's so different from him in terms of like the the eccentric and overconfidence mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and just like being a, a just an arrogant person in a lot of ways as as the film director in the movie. All right, moving on to. Lincoln, which came out in 2012, Steven Spielberg film. This is where he won his third Oscar for Best Actor in a Leading Role. This movie is awesome. He invented Abraham Lincoln's characterization all by himself, which is incredible. It's a really remarkable movie. I think it's really excellent. I think Spielberg really did an amazing job, and I think Daniel Day-Lewis did a fantastic job. Sally Field as well, sensational as Mary Todd. This movie is just like, it's a tough movie to make. Because like this is, we don't know what they really said in these rooms. You know what I mean? You don't really know what Abe said. You know what he wrote, and you understand like what happened and through the events. But I think that they did a great job with this screenplay. Yeah, because it shows like it's not just a simple thing like oh yeah. we're gonna end slavery, but like yeah. the it shows all the politics involved exactly, with it and all yeah. the, and how the votes and everything. And you know to really even I never even studied the politics of what was happening at the time. Really, we just know what happened. Yeah, and then the first scene is really great. It's uh is after the one of those battles, and then uh, Abe is just sitting around his army and. People are like walking around and stuff, and then those two soldiers come up to talk to him, and then it's a great introduction to the character. And what Daniel Day Lewis brought to this role was a great amount of power, great leadership, but also a great amount of heart, and you know this this endearing quality to Abe Lincoln. And when you watch him on screen, you can't help but really love the character because you can't help but love the man and what he did and how he changed his country, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a daunting task to try and capture that person on film. And I think that I don't think anyone else could have done it as Daniel Day-Lewis did it. I know Liam Neeson was in talks to play this role when Daniel Day-Lewis initially turned it down. I think Liam Neeson would have done a very good job, but 
I don't think he would have really embodied the like the spirit of Abraham Lincoln like Daniel Day Lewis did. I, oh, yeah. I felt like I was watching Abraham Lincoln. Hundred percent agree. It's yeah. So fascinating. Slavery is no more. All right, moving on. Two thousand seventeen. This is after taking a another long hiatus. So that's five years in between these films, and it was his last film that he made. Another Paul Thomas Anderson film. He played Reynolds Woodcock in Phantom Thread, which is such an underrated movie. This movie's incredible. He plays this silver fox fashion designer <laughs> who just is has these meaningless relationships with women until he meets a woman who wants more out of him and it's just kind of about their back and forth and their relationship as it grows and ends and grows he's a man who's obsessed with control mm-hmm. you know what i mean and he's always controlled the people around him and then he finally meets someone who he can't control and that actually drives him mad at first but then drives him des- dependent upon them and, and enticed by it and yeah. d- addicted to being dependent on her exactly and I, if you haven't seen the film i don't want to give away the big twist that happens about um an hour and a half into the film but it, it's it's a really really great concept for what ends up happening for the entire point of what the film is i think it's really awesome and this movie is so beautiful so well crafted uh, uh, paul thomas anderson filmed this as a cinematographer with his grip so they did a they were a team effort as the cinematographer so pta basically filmed this himself essentially it, it's so well done so well acted this got this actually got nominated for a bunch of awards i was surprised because pta usually doesn't get nominations there will be blood did but boogie nights did but he doesn't off like his movies all of his movies deserve to get nominated but they never do especially like the master that should have been nominated for a ton of stuff but that went under the radar and it's got a really amazing score by Johnny Greenwood, but I really love the character of Reynolds Woodcock. I love the 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 accent. It's nice to hear him with a. It's not his his. It's not his accent in real life, but it's pretty close to it. And so I think that gives you a little bit of a personal connection to Danny Day Lewis in the role, seeing him in, with a British accent. But the character is really fascinating. This guy who's in love with making clothes, also someone who has mommy issues, which is why. His relationships with, with with women are the way they are. Yeah, he's haunted by the memory yeah. of his mother. Dependent on his sister, you know what I mean? But but it, and one of my favorite scenes is like is when someone and he's so controlling. Like when when she's like rubbing butter on her toast, he's like, it's as if you rode a horse through the room. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stand like the noise or being bothered. I or, can't start the morning with a conflict. Yeah, he's a, he's a big baby. Yeah. is what he is. He's essentially like a immature child man child you know mm-hmm. what i mean and he can't handle stress and he can't handle conflict even if it's something as small as like just being mildly annoyed by something it, he blows up about it so i think it's a really funny character it's fun to laugh at him sometimes yeah it's a really really great performance you know for the hungry boy if you know what i mean you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> but also so that's his last film and he retired so I, he, I bet he comes back. I bet you Scorsese lures him back again. I don't know. He's, he's pretty He's pretty old now. He's in his 60s. The thing with... So he's retired twice. And I'm not sure why he retired the first time, but he retired this time because he suffered like a great depression after this film. He always finds... He always suffers depression after his roles when he's trying to get rid of the characters. And it's very similar to the character Reynolds after he finishes that line, that line of clothing and they do the show. And then he can't get out of bed for like a week. You know what I mean? I think that PTA drew that inspiration from Daniel Day-Lewis himself. Because I'm sure he saw that that happened to him after playing Daniel Daniel Plainview. And so, and I actually, for me, that actually does happen to me sometimes. Um, I write screenplays and whenever I finish one, 
I'm never like happy about it. I'm not like, oh yeah, I finished it. I always just feel like down in the dumps for some reason. I'm and and I'm just like, oh damn it. It's this weird feeling, and I kind of re- I really related to the character of um, Reynolds Woodcock in that movie for that reason because I kind of understand like kind of that feeling where you put so much. I think what it is is he put so much into the role, so much commitment, so much thought, so much physical commitment, mental commitment, so much preparation, the energy involved. Yeah, it probably falls in love with being the character. You know, I mean, he probably really genuinely loves being whoever he's playing. And then also, you could say he might even develop like like an emotional relationship or connection to that character he's created. And so when the movie's done, he has to just erase it and say goodbye to it and never see, never be Reynolds again. Never, never like imagine that he's Reynolds and say goodbye to this world that he probably grew to love. And that probably affects him extremely negatively. Uh, and that probably causes his intense depressions. And I think that I he has like withdrawals. Yeah, definitely. And so I think that because in Last of the Mohicans, Michael Mann has a quote where he, he said, Danny D. Lewis told me, I don't know how not to be Hawkeye. Yeah. When you live like that for so long, yeah. then like you're going to have withdrawals from emotionally being that person, identifying as that person. I actually just found this quote from him. So this is after he quit the first time. He said, I didn't want to get sucked back into another project. All my life, I've mouthed, I've mouthed off about how I should stop acting. I don't know why it was different this time, but the impulse to quit took root in me, and that became a compulsion. It was something I had to do. So it's something that he probably thinks about constantly. And I think just it's it's like identity withdrawals. Probably you're, you're that person for so long, and then you have to flip like a flip of the switch. You have to turn it off. You have to stop living like Hawkeye in the woods, and yeah. now you're just gonna go hang back out. to life. You're gonna watch back to normal you're life watch TV. And read a book. It's it could be a it's like a, it might be a form of escapism. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Escapism from reality, where I can live as a different person. It's like being in in Ready Player One. You know, or it's like someone who plays video games all the yeah. time, and then you tell them you can't play video games, even though you can't play ever again. Like take, how would they respond? Try, try to take a smartphone away from a teenager. Yeah, it's, they would. I'm sure it's the same. They exact would lose thing. their shit because his brain, the way it's working, is that's what he needs to like fuel himself. I yeah. guess imagine the imagination and creativity. So I don't. I don't think he'll come back to acting. I really don't. I think that you know. Well, he's 64 now. Yeah, so he's old. Yeah, it's, I'm not sure he's gonna want to do that to himself mentally again because the energy he puts into those roles it's probably the most of anyone I've ever seen on camera. Besides, like Joaquin's kind of there in terms of what he gives into his roles and Christian Bale. So we'll see what what their careers are like later on their lives and, mm-hmm. and if they want to keep doing it at this age that Daniel Day's at. But I can only imagine just the emotional drainage and mental drainage it takes just every day to be the characters. And also actors like Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep, both method actors as well. And then in their latter years, they're taking roles that are obviously much easier, more com- comedically driven and stuff that doesn't require intense amounts of prep. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm sure like just memorizing old, lines. Yeah. Older, as you get older in age, like you don't want to put all that intense work into it. Mm-hmm. I can see that for so sure. I think I think he's done, which is sad, but also, I mean, the guy's body of work is just unbelievable. It's really incredible. And I think he went out strong with Phantom Thread. I think that's a I love great, that movie. great movie. I it love really it. really so underrated. I, re- I think it's amazing. Um, how about we do some trivia and stuff? When Peter Jackson was in pre-production in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he had a, a choice in mind for Aragorn and it was Daniel Day-Lewis and he he that was his first choice and it was his only choice really he 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 asked Daniel Day-Lewis multiple times to play Aragorn but eventually Daniel Day re- returned it down over and over again I think because he didn't want to do more than he didn't want to do sequels is my guess also that's a big commitment and so 
I'm guessing he was probably interested in the role, but like making three movies as one role, I think is not enticing to him. Most of the gangs in Gangs in New York mentioned by name were the real 19th century New York gangs. Bill the Butcher Cutting is based largely on real-life New York gang leader William Poole, who also was known as the Butcher and had much the same prestige as Daniel Day-Lewis's character. To simulate Bill the Butcher's fake eye, Daniel Day-Lewis had his own eyeball covered in prosthetic glass. Daniel Day-Lewis learned to tap his fake eye with the, type, with the tip of a knife without blinking. He also became so uncomfortable with the greasy hairstyle he wore as Bill the Butcher that he shaved his head immediately after filming completed. And Leonardo DiCaprio accidentally broke Daniel Day-Lewis's nose while filming a, a fight scene. Man, that eye, that shot of the eye is so amazing the when he's tapping up, it. Yeah. yeah. According to the Making of My Left Foot segment on the special edition DVD, Daniel Day-Lewis broke two ribs during filming from assuming the hunched-over position in his wheelchair for weeks of filming on visits to the set canteen. Other people would have to help him with food. On one visit from his English agent, Daniel Day-Lewis again refused to come out of character as Christy Brown, and his frustrated agent took off. Many of the scenes in My Left Foot were filmed through a mirror, as Daniel Day-Lewis could only manipulate his right foot to perform the action scene in the film. Yeah, imagine trying to paint with your left foot or right. That's, That's probably just really like hard. impossible. Sounds hard enough with my right foot. Yeah. And that wraps our episode on Daniel Day-Lewis, one of the greatest actors to ever live. Really hope you enjoyed this episode, everybody. The GOAT. The GOAT. Oh, Daniel man. Daniel Lewis, be sure I to become a patron guy. at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in around the world. Drain I abandoned my child. I abandoned my boy. Thanks so much for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. If you're new, hit the like button. Leave a comment. Find us on all audio streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to check out one of these other videos right here for more content on our favorite films and breaking down all kinds of movie content. Thanks so much.